from the campus of Stanford University and on location. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast, featuring in-depth, one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you. For our guest today, please welcome Guy Kawasaki. Guy is an American marketing specialist, author, chief evangelist of Canva, creator of Remarkable People podcasts and mercedes-benz ambassador guy is one of the one of apple's employees originally responsible for marketing their macintosh computer line in 1984 he also popularized the word evangelist in marketing the macintosh as an apple evangelist and the concepts concepts of evangelism marketing in general for more information feel free to visit guy kawasaki.com again that's guy kawasaki.com Calm guy. Hello and welcome. Thank you. We're honored to have you here today. Uh, thank you. I hope you didn't hear that ding just now. I, we I'm did. Gonna go keep it. We're going to keep it on too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not changing it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like, put this freaking phone. <laughs> do not disturb here. <laughs> well, we, we always can adjust okay, this. Where were we? Here we are. You know what, guy? I wanted to say something. And you know, you have our audience might be oh come on guy but i mean it ser- seriously you have a great smile and i recall either reading somewhere or maybe you said something that that ability to smile or smiling in in uh, in general i don't even know you know why you have, but i thought you had a purpose for it and other than it's just part of who you are but also there is a um maybe a physiological biological or yeah. reason oh, to maybe uh, i'm just maybe i'm just happy <laughs> um, go into it please so the discussion that I had is that a truly great smile is not made with the jaws. Okay. It's made with the eyes. So the eyes, in particular, a great smile, you have crow's feet. And that, oh, yeah. that's called a Duchenne smile. So there's the there's a kind of smile where someone is like biting a pencil and kind of you, you know, <laughs> yeah. grinning and burying it. And then the sincere smile is a Duchenne smile, which is the twinkle of the eye. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, that twinkle of the eye, there's another one I heard about uh, we use less facial muscles when we smile than we do if we frown. Have you heard that? Yeah, I heard that. But, you know, I, I it, don't know if that's true. It's, it's one of those kind of internet things like Eskimos have 200 <laughs> words for snow and, you know. Yeah. I mean. Maybe I don't know. I like Hawaiians have two hundred words for spam because we love spam so much. That's I right. <laughs> we 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 know that's for sure. Now, guy, what if if I want to go back to start at the beginning, if you will, is if you can go back as far as you can recall. Kid, no, really, <laughs> even go back to small go back to small kid time and see if you could see what where you are now in yeah. your life and at what is the earliest point in your life where you can recall oh you know what this all kind of makes sense in a way why do what i do who i work with who yeah. I, who 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 i put in my when, when, so when did i reach that yeah if there was in- maybe a galvanizing moment or maybe a, bu- a bunch of moments even as, as fall back as i said you know small kid time probably last week this day, <laughs> last week so you're still youthful at heart <laughs> I, well, I, no, i'm confused <laughs> which, which may be the same thing 
so the concept that especially you know if your if your listener is typically a stanford parent or stanford student or whatever yeah this concept that you go to the right preschool that puts you in the right elementary school that puts you in the right intermediate school that puts you in the right you know high school that gets you into stanford and then you know you're on this path that goes from a to b to c to d to e to f and it's like automatic i think that's vastly overrated and untrue so there is no way that i can trace what my upbringing was in hawaii in the mid 70s to where i am today it's almost totally random that randomness is there uh there's somewhat of a, a beauty in it why well, would you think there is that that randomness, and, and why is it important why, for people just? Why to, do I think it was random? Yeah, because because you cannot predict what will happen in your life. Um, so I, you know, first of all, so many random things. So a uh, elementary school teacher tells my parents to get me out of the Hawaii public school system and put me in a private school because I had too much potential. Had she not had that conversation, you know, who knows? I, I might be. Um, I don't know. I might be, I might be a surfing instructor. Anyway, so, <laughs> like, so that wouldn't be that. so bad. So that's random event number one. Random event number two is, I, I go to this great high school. I get into you know multiple colleges, and at the end of the day, it came down for me to Occidental, and Stanford, and UH. Those are the three. Okay, oh, UH. All right. Yeah, so I tell my father, I want to go to Occidental because Occidental is a small school. I can play football there. And he tells me, you know, I'm not spending the money to send you to Occidental so you can play football. So your choices are UH or Stanford. Okay, so I'm not that stupid, so I pick Stanford. (laughs) So now I pick Stanford. And really, that's why I pick Stanford. Okay. Because it was UH or Stanford. So now I'm at Stanford, and I meet this guy named Mike Boych. And he loves cars and I love cars. The difference is that he and his family had money to buy cars. My, me and my family did not have money to buy cars. So, you know, he, believe it or not, he had a Ferrari, uh, excuse me, he had a Ford GT40, which, you know, wrap your mind around that. He had a Ford GT40 and his mother drive the Ferrari Daytona and his father drive a Rolls Royce. And, you know, coming from Kalihi Valley (laughs) and I go to his family whose backyard is the Arizona Biltmore golf course. And the mother drives a Ferrari. The father drives a Rolls. He drives a Ford GT40. Like, OMG. I mean, <laughs> OMG. So now, now you, you could make a case that, okay, so guy, you're showing your materialism, your insipidness, your lack of depth of character, and you know, all that. Or I could tell you with total honesty and total truthfulness, when I saw his house, and his cars, that was a humongous motivating factor for me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I said, you know, I am going to, I, I am going to get a piece of the good life. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, the, uh, the movie, uh, oh, Miss Congeniality. Okay, yes. Right? Yeah, Miss Congeniality. Oh, that's right. And she's, uh, I forget her name, the actress, but she's uh, a beauty contest, right? Yes. She's in a beauty contest. And in the beauty contest, there's always this like personal statement, like, you know, I, I want to fly global warning. I want to help children. I want to help, you know, the underprivileged and all that. So everybody has this thing. And so I think it's very tempting when you talk to 
uh, successful people that they always say, yeah, I wanted to empower people. I wanted to reduce illiteracy. I wanted to empower people with computers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I, I, and, you know, change the world. And I'm telling you, all I wanted to do was change the car, <laughs> okay. not change the world. Yeah. Well, at least that you're being honest about that. How much did this grit also play into achieving, you know, what you set out for? At least in your... Well, your grit, is, grit is 99%. Whoa. 99. Listen, I achieved my success to grit. Now, I'm not stupid, but I'm certainly <laughs> no Steve Jobs, and I'm I could tell you 20 other people who are smarter than me, and you know, in my personal uh, little bubble of sure. people I know, I am not the sharpest blade in the in the drawer. But I'm telling you what, I will cut longer and harder than anybody else will. Yeah. Now, where do you think that comes from? Is that within someone, or can you teach that? Well. I wish I could. I wish I had this great story about how you know, how my family caught that last helicopter out of the, out of South Vietnam, the U.S. Embassy, and you know the Viet Cong were shooting at them, and they got in that last Huey, and they got to the airport, and they get in a, I don't know, C one thirty or C five A or whatever they flew them out of, and you know, next thing you know, they land in Sacramento, and. My parents become liquor store owners in the worst part of Sacramento and they scrimped and saved and sent me to Stanford or that my great, great, great grandparents came across uh, to Ellis Island and they had literally, you know, one shirt in their suitcase and all that. I don't have that kind of story. I, I, I didn't come from a rich family, but I didn't come from a, you know, total impoverished living middle meal family. I came from a lower middle class family. I had no idea I wasn't rich. I was just, I had a happy childhood, man. I wasn't I wasn't poor. I wasn't abused. I wasn't you know, I mean So you know, I don't I'm yeah, what can I say? I But there's still obviously you're you're very happy with uh, you know, you can tell just who you are, um, where you've come from and how you became who you are. We'll touch on that when we return. I'm gonna go ahead and do a uh, station ID. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Guy Kawasaki. For more information, feel free to visit Guy's website at GuyKawasaki.com. Again, that's GuyKawasaki.com. So the saying, Guy, is uh, you, 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 you seem to be very happy with who you are. And who you've become and who you're going to be. And we're talking about that grit. Don't you th do you think even if you didn't come from that helicopter, the last helicopter off the, the, the ship, that you, you, you have to make where you are in life and, uh, you know, be inspired at a high level to, to achieve, you know, to, to reach the goals that you want for yourself or the, at least the ones that you envision for yourself? You know, what's your, right. what's your take on that? Well... Uh, I, I don't know very many, you know, sort of overnight successes. And I think if you peered carefully at overnight successes, none of them are overnight successes. Not, not Wayne Gretzky, not Guy Kawasaki, not that I'm in the same caliber as Wayne <laughs> Gretzky, but, you know, not Christy Yamaguchi. I, and I don't mean just for athletes. I mean, Steve Jobs worked his ass off. I mean, you know, people think he's such a brilliant speaker and he was, but he would rehearse and go over his keynote addresses and product uh, announcements for weeks and driving people 
absolutely batshit crazy. And so, you know, the concept that Steve Jobs was a natural and everything came easy uh, is flawed. Uh, right? I don't know anybody who succeeded, who just you know, stepped into it other than Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. When you say that, you mean that it was already laid out for them? Well, sure looks that way. I mean, you know. so, do, do, you, do you see merit and hard work as the deciding factors in those two people? Well, I think with everyone who, who is at any level, whether it's high or low, whether we um, like them not or whether we love them or not, there's a to stay at any level is, I think, really difficult and really challenging. And at the end of what's everyone say, like the end of the day, we're all we all have to answer to ourselves. We really do. I know. I know you have clients to answer to and people to answer to, but we have to answer to ourselves. And yet, the challenges anyone faces have to be mostly within. They're within yourself. I, you know, I I understand that, but I also know that you know that I think that's a particular sort of American perspective that it's about, you know, motivation and, you know, all this kind of good stuff. I think it is but, true. It's a, I've been told that by people from uh, other right? countries but, that it's an American thought process. Yeah. So I got to tell you, I mean, you know, to take an extreme, if you're a Syrian refugee, man, it, it ain't because you don't believe in yourself that you didn't succeed. I mean, Very you know, true. You, you, success for Syrian refugee may be staying alive not about self-actualizing your life goals so i think americans have such a high sort of baseline of existence that the the next level is just unrelatable to the bulk of the world um and listen i'm part of that bubble so don't get yeah. me wrong it's just at least i know i'm in the bubble how did we how did we get to that such high baseline? I mean that may be a, a another story but how did we yeah. get to be to where the challenges of ach achieving extreme success or uh whatever it is whoever well, definition is 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 so high in the United States right now. Well the, the irony may be that um we achieve so much because you know generally speaking the people who came to America were not successful where they came from, right? Sure. So, because almost by definition, if you were really successful in England, you probably didn't get on the Mayflower, you know? And <sighs> if you were really successful in Japan, you probably didn't say, well, why don't I go to Hawaii and pick sugar cane? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, why, why am I here sitting here in my castle in Japan when I could be sh picking sugar cane for the man in Hawaii? So, I think that America offered some place where it literally was a land of opportunity and that because there was, you know, well, I, we have to take the whole Native American thing because, you know, they got trampled on, but th there, there wasn't something you had to break into an aristocracy in America, right? Okay. So... Uh, I think that's it. But now the irony, of course, is now we have an aristocracy, so we are arguably not the land of opportunity anymore. Um, Where, what? In a sense, in a sense, I, I think that we are handing China and Canada the future.
because of our immigration policy. Because all the hungry people that we need, all the smart hungry people that we need, they can't get into America, right? So if I were Pierre Trudeau, I would be, I would like have a little Donald Trump doll in my house. And every night I would go past and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for making Canada great again. Now, you and I have something very similar in that both of our, um, at least my great-great-great-great-grandfather came to Hawaii um, and worked in the sugarcane fields. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, just recently, I went back to Maui. My mother was uh, kind enough to bring the family back to Maui where uh, it first came. I think it was uh, 1898. And uh, boy, I don't think they had much. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, um, in 1898, and especially in Hawaii, there you, you. I think you weren't wrong by saying you were working for the man if you got there. And I don't think people. Yeah. Some people weren't even paid. The living conditions were probably squalor. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, well, but, I, I, I would assume so. But yeah, you know, even that, easy for me to say, easy for you to say, because we didn't go through that. But again, compare that to the refugees, right? Like. Our great-grandparents, they had to work hard. They were poor and all that. But their life was never at risk. Well, I don't know about never, but, you know, not to the extent that they got on a boat that might capsize crossing the ocean, right? So... Yeah, I don't think they were luxury... They came on luxury cruise liners. That's for no, sure, too, though. But they didn't come on a <laughs> boat that holds 30 with 100 people on yeah. it, either. Yeah. No, there was, there, there was a process for it. So... Let's reach back a little bit. I had no idea it would go this way, but what do you think? <laughs> no, really, I didn't. Uh, what do you think their thoughts were for not just, was it just survival for themselves and their immediate family? Or maybe they were thinking of as far as in the future of you and I. I, I, I really think that they were trying to give their children a better life. And I also think, believe it or not, I think that motivates 99.9% .9 of the people in the world. And I have been all over the world, admittedly in a bubble, but I've been <laughs> all over the world. And generally speaking, people are more similar than they are different. And they're all trying to make a better life for their kids. And that applies to whether you're a refugee or a sugarcane, a sugar field worker. It's about making life better for your kids. Now, if you step outside that uh, that bubble, can other countries create that? What do you what did you say that high baseline of success? I don't see why not. Um, and if if they if they, they they either they do or they don't, what would they? What kind of mindset would they have to have to say, you know, this is country of, uh, just say Kazakhstan? I'll just throw that because it's. Most yeah. recent, I think it's a recent country. How do we make this the play a destination for the rest of the planet? Do you think that's possible? <sighs> I mean, let's not name any particular country, but let's just say you know. Yeah, same. Just lesser, make one up. Uh, yeah, lesser developed uh, countries. Well, um, in a sense, and I sure hope my history is right because <laughs> you know, who the hell knows, right? So. I mean, in a sense, when you, when you came to America, you're a first-generation American, it was sort of a blank slate, right? And, and I, I don't think 
some of these countries today are a blank slate that you go in there and there's an emperor or there's a king or there's a president and you know the president's family is all the cabinet members mm -hmm. and so but but i don't think when the mayflower landed they had to go and overcome that right so i don't think there are many blank slates in the world left anymore so uh I'd, if if i were a a president of a country i would have the most welcoming uh flexible visa and immigration program in the world and it would i i would just look at the american model and say listen if you look at the great companies Sorry, something went wrong <laughs> that was alexa <laughs> no, was it no, keep going <laughs> or her. what's bugging alexa right now <laughs> um, so so if, if you look at the the great companies in silicon valley steve jobs was I think Syrian, you know, adopted Larry and Sergey, Google, Russia, uh, many of the enterprise software companies and chip companies are Indian, 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 not Native American Indian. And so you look at this and I mean, case after case, it's immigrants. But now we're at the stage where we want to lock immigrants out and just take care of ourselves, which I think is the antithesis of wisdom in entrepreneurship let's talk about that when we return this is the entrepreneurs radio show and podcast on kzsu stanford 90.1 fm i want to do a public service announcement for digital nest digital nest brings growth and stability to the rural agricultural based cities of watsonville and salinas guy if you uh if you don't mind if you could share a little bit of your experience with sure. digital nest so Digital Nest is an organization that is headquartered in Watsonville, California. And their customer are primarily uh, kids of migrant workers and you know people who live in Watsonville in the agricultural industry. And what they do is they're trying to give those kids an alternative to working as a migrant worker. So that they become knowledge workers with yeah, producing videos, producing ads, producing websites. So it's it's a digital nest. It's to bring digital skills to this population of kids. And I I can't think of something, you know, that I, I could be more supportive than digital nest. Excellent. And you can find them for more information at digitalnest.com. Again, that's digitalnest.com. Guy, we're uh this is we're not way off subject, but as I said at the beginning, I don't have an agenda with this. I just was uh, looking forward to, to talking with you and have you share with your audience, you know, some of your experiences and insight is the immigrants. I'll use, uh, we'll use a country, for example, the one I am most aware of is Singapore. And from my understanding, it was one of the f nations, maybe in the last couple hundred years that went from uh, in one generation from what's called a third, what is it? Third uh, developing nation into a first class how is that replicable in other nations, do you think? Well, Singapore had a tremendous advantage in that uh, they were geographically located where ships had to stop, right? Okay. So, that helps. 
And I think the second thing that helped is they had basically the Steve Jobs of country presidents, which is Lee Kuan Yew. Yes. So, you know, that helps too. Uh, now, you know, another country that has very few natural resources and is surrounded by enemies and has succeeded is Israel. And another country you could say is something like Norway. So we're seeing a pattern here that <laughs> it seems like uh, maybe the, the key is leadership and the key is you know, not necessarily having everything handed to you on a platter. And what does that do, you think, when there is a – we're going to go back to that word again, grit. When you, when you do come from – not nothing, but you do come from something that uh, – there's a struggle involved. Yes. Well, I mean, grit and wealth, uh, pre-existing wealth, I think are basically they're, – they're the absolute opposites. I mean, I – I don't know. Do you know many kids from wealthy families who are greedy? From wealthy families, when, when, if you describe wealth as something where they pretty much they were able to get whatever they wanted as wealth, maybe not uh, like yeah, you that said. Would the, be okay, yeah. Rarely. Yeah. Rarely, with exception, that it would. In fact, I use a quote that uh, I remember the first Getty. And if they write to us, they write to us. But he said uh, the great-great-grandfather, I'm sure which is the one who helped discover where oil was, it said, yeah. you know, if, if you can give my kids something, it'd be, what would you give them? And it would be my struggle. So there's a... There's, there, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it, there's, there's a sense of like, even if you... Uh, let's bring it back to our kids, you know. Um, for, for mine, I have three, three kids. Mm-hmm. I think the only answer right now is one, to be an example. I could be wrong. And then the two is just to instill a le high level of gratitude. But I don't know the, if that's the answer, is that gratitude. How do you get from one generation? Let's, let's say your, your kid's guy go on to surpass any of your accomplishments tenfold. Will they still have that grit based on your life experience if you're telling them all the story? Well, I would say that if they... If they exceeded what I accomplished, which God bless them, I hope they do. <laughs> um, not that it's that hard because I haven't accomplished that much. But I would say I can't imagine a situation where they've done it without being gritty. I, I just think great accomplishments require grit. Is that teachable? Although, Are you teaching them that or is that something within them? I don't know the answer, so it's not a, hey, I'm asking let's you. Let's not go down a parenting rat hole because I do not hold <laughs> yeah. as an example for that one. No. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's hard. I think, you know, first generation lands here with nothing, scrimps and saves. Second generation, you know, gets to go to high school. Third generation gets to go to college, and that's my generation. And then the fourth generation the third generation are helicopter or lawnmower parents, right? So yeah. I'm telling you that grit is on a severe decline, <laughs> I would think. So it's on a decline. <laughs> it was zero, but, you know, yeah. it's hard. I mean, like I said, I think most parents want to have make a better life for their kids. So if you want to make a better life for your kids, it's, it's hard to hold yourself back from being a lawnmower or a helicopter parent. Uh, yeah, 
No, I'm no tiger mom, okay? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay. But it's hard. I cannot resist. I mean. Yeah. I'll share something. God, I, 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 guy, I had no intention that this was going this way, but I'll bring something of my mother, especially because I'm very proud of her. She, this, this, we're coming on her second year of, uh, of surviving and beating pancreatic cancer. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so she showed a tremendous amount of grit, not just in her life, um, for we where, where uh, you know she had me and my brother, but just what she's accomplished in her life. And she's yeah. shown us, especially going through that cancer, uh, where we weren't sure we were even going to have her. Is she says something I think is really important, and it's it's come up a couple of times in the show. Is uh, look, tell me what I don't want to know. And that's what she's t told the doctors. And that's what she's actually said to us as kids, because she was a single mother raising two boys, mm -hmm. is tell us what we don't want to hear. Do you experience that even in your, you know, you, I know you work with Canva, is it, and uh, Mercedes-Benz, yeah. as well as your own uh, uh, consulting. Do you, do you have to talk to your uh, well, folks and ask that question? Kind of tell us what you don't, we don't, I don't want to hear so we can move on or move ahead. Okay, I will tell you something. From the bottom of my heart, no shit, okay? <laughs> so I have been on hundreds and hundreds of podcast interviews and as the interviewee. And I will tell you that what you just explained that your mother told you is probably the first time, certainly the most valuable thing I have ever learned by being an interviewee on a podcast. That, that wow, is thank you very much, guy. Question. I think I'm as soon as I get off this call, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna text my four kids and tell me and I as, as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm gonna text my four kids and tell them, I want you to tell me what I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. I'm that honored. Is, and is it that is really a great piece of wisdom. I, I'm no Thank shit. You. I mean, I don't. <laughs> if you knew me, you'd know that I'm not bullshitting you and like yeah. kind of like brown nosed you. That is really a great. That would just now imagine if politicians said to their constituency, "Tell me what I don't want to know." <laughs> oh my god, their heads would explode. <laughs> No, thank you very much, and and uh, it's a tribute to her, and she's a Kalihi girl. Oh, she is. Oh, maybe that's right. That's my Kalihi. Yeah, it's all yeah, the, the water in Kalihi. It's all the um, and fluoride we had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely will. Uh, will share that with her. And um, guy, it's been wonderful having you. I hope you consider coming on in the future sometime. I really enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, although it's all virtual now, but your oh, is your studio on campus? No, we're off campus now because we're not allowed to go uh, to be there. But so, so I'm doing this out of my residence, and uh, it's going to be that way for a while. I think probably even past fall. I never, I never been on KZSU, so it took me from 1976 to 2020 to finally get on KZSU. Oh yeah, you're, you're here. <laughs> yeah, you're here. Thank you, and I'm I'm honored, guy. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Really happy to have you on Pleasure here and, all mine. And, and love that small years. Thank you. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Guy Kawasaki. Guy is an American marketing specialist, author, chief evangelist of Canva, 
creator of Remarkable People Podcasts and Mercedes-Benz Ambassador. Guy popularized the word evangelist in marketing the Macintosh as an Apple evangelist, as well as the concept of evangelism in marketing. For more information, feel free to visit GuyKawasaki.com. Again, GuyKawasaki.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dior. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The Chief Audio Engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief Engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.